Ion 2020 episode 150. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey guys, it's Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020. Thank you for joining me today uh, for your episode 150, which is actually my debate episode. Uh, it was the first night of debates tonight, and I sat there and watched them. I watched the whole thing, and the reason why I did that for you is because I want to make sure that I come up with a great show for you guys. Uh, first thing in the morning, I'm actually recording this right after the debates are over, and I'll be dropping this episode at 5 a.m. Uh, I, I do these... I do this for you. I sat there. You don't even have to watch the debates. I'm going to go over the entire thing and let you guys know the specific topics that they covered and take a libertarian perspective on that. Uh, it was a challenge watching it. I usually don't drink during the weekends or during the weeks. I usually only drink on the weekends very socially when I drink. Uh, but tonight I had to crack open a couple of beers because it was really tough to listen to. So you can uh, say, I know that the Lions of Liberty, they always do like a libertarians in the living room drinking liquor episode well i'm a libertarian sitting in my living room and i'm drinking beer you know and uh i'll be releasing this show i'm gonna go and put that thing together for you i just could not sit there and listen to this thing and uh, not have a beer i mean it was really hard to listen to they were just promising after prom promises after promises um and then it was just you know, just one side pit, and pit it against the other side, it sounded like to me. But uh, it was it was interesting to watch. I liked the way the moderators were able to kind of split the people up between the democratic socialists, the ones that are further left, and also the more moderate people. They were able to kind of give a good distinction between them. And that was interesting to see because it seemed like there was some voices of reason in that group among the people that are just saying we need to be able to get rid of Donald Trump. We need someone that can beat Donald Trump. We need to have that voice of reason. We cannot have an extreme view. But then those people that have the extreme view, they still, you know, the Elizabeth Warrens and the Bernie Sanders, they were still able to make their points, and they did get a lot of airtime as well. Um, Elizabeth Warren over Bernie Sanders. I think Bernie Sanders comes off as the one that's like the leader of the movement. Elizabeth Warren comes off as somebody that she has the emotional ties. She's able to give an emotional message along with it. Whereas Bernie Sanders is just like all about the facts, man, you know? Uh, but anyway, it was an interesting debate. I'll go ahead and get into the whole ideas of what really happened throughout the debates. But if you can, if it's your first time listening, I know I get a lot of people that are the first time listening to the show when I do a debate show, just because people start searching on on uh, the different podcatchers about you know the debates. So if it is your first time listening, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you're a libertarian, and you want to hear more libertarian analysis of different things that are going on with the election, you can go ahead and you know go ahead and subscribe to the show. What I do on a daily basis, I put together a Monday through Friday show for you, about 30 minutes. And what that allows me to do is just go over the news of the day. I go over the topics that the different candidates are talking about. 
I also talk about different policy issues that they have. And then I just get into some libertarian messaging a lot of times. And it, so if you're a libertarian, you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show. You could be able to have the show in your podcatcher tomorrow. You could also check out a lot of the shows I've done in the past. I've done 149 before this one. So go ahead and check those out, all right? Uh, but subscribe to the show first thing. And then uh, if you are one that keeps on coming back and you like what you hear, then you know I'd appreciate a five-star rating and a review. If you do do a, if you do give me a review, I'll go ahead and read that on the show as well. Always nice to see people that are willing to you know tell me how they feel about the show, and a good way to do that is through the you know through the uh, through the podcatcher or whatever review source you have. Now, if you are doing a review on any of the podcatchers except for like uh, Apple Podcasts, then go ahead and just shoot me an email and let me know where you did that review at, and I, you could email me at ray at iontheempire.com. All right. And uh, then also, you could check me out, iontheempire.com, if you'd like to. You could go to the website and follow me there. And you could also find me if you type in I Am The Empire on Facebook or Twitter or even on Minds. You'll find me there as well. So uh, I have lots of places to get a hold of me. And if you really want to drop me an email, I'm, always, I'm all about uh, reading emails and responding to those as well. I enjoy that. I enjoy interacting with you guys. I have a lot of people that are listening now, and I really appreciate those that uh, continue to come back. And also, if you would like to just go and share the show with your friends, that'll help to get those uh, numbers up as well, because they just keep on going up and up. It seems like uh, people like to hear about what's going on from a libertarian perspective with this, uh, with this, with all the things that are going on in the elections. So uh, that's what I do Monday through Friday for you. Uh, but anyway, guys. When I jumped into the debate, it was, it was on for about five, maybe ten minutes or so when I jumped into it. I thought the debate was starting at nine o'clock, so I just threw on the TV right just after eight o'clock just to kind of catch up on some of the what the pundits are saying about the debate. And then I realized, holy crap, the debate's on. I'm, uh, I'm the East Coast, so I was looking and I thought the debate would start at nine o'clock, but it really started at eight. Uh, but anyway, as soon as I saw that, I just started taking my notes and stuff and made sure that I had was able to cover the topics and stuff. It seemed like the first topic that they covered was Medicare for all. And there's a there is a sharp distinction between the different candidates on the Medicare for all. Some of them are for Medicare for all. All of them are for expanding Medicare, first of all. None of them are for like a single, you know, the government taking over the entire healthcare system. Or at least none of them say that they're for that. That's not part of their agenda right now. Now, I know that the Democratic Socialists of America, their thing is get Medicare for all first. And then at that point, we go ahead and take over the hospitals and the doctor's offices and make everything a public, make an entire public thing. But right now, the step, the incremental step that the Democrats want is to go from Obamacare to Medicare for all or some form of that, like a Medicare for all that want it. Now, there was a big fight going on between Delaney, uh, Tim Ryan, those two were on one side, and then you had Sanders and Warren on the other, and they were kind of fighting back and forth, saying that Americans would never go for just a Medicare for all thing. That's a losing issue. If we want to win the election, we can't have something that's that you know, crazy, that's that far to the left. We need to have something more towards the middle by expanding Medicare for those that would choose into it. You can't just push people out of their own insurance. And then he actually talked about it from a standpoint like this. He said back when they started Social Security and started the Social Security Administration, they back in the 30s, they did not get rid of private pensions. 
altogether also. The government did not make private pensions illegal, but in the Medicare for all system, they're going to make all private insurance pretty much illegal, right? And make it so that Medicare is the single payer for all medical services. And then Bernie Sanders wants to go so far as to make it so that there's no deductibles and no co-pays as well. Other candidates have different perspectives on that. Beto O'Rourke, he seems like he's for a Medicare for All plan. Uh, Pete Buttigieg takes a middle ground, but he seems like he takes a middle ground on a lot of things. Even though he's far left, he seems like he's you know trying to toe the line so that he can sound like the reasonable voice. So he's like Medicare for All who want it. Uh, said, But he also said that he would like to see a crowding out effect where the government insurance, the Medicare will crowd out the private insurance over time, which, you know, that, that, that typically could happen as well, especially if, uh, if, if the government just kind of makes it really cheap. But they, yeah, there was that fight going back and forth with Delaney's and the uh, Governor Bullock, Steve Bullock's, uh, what is it, uh, the gentleman from Colorado, Governor uh, Hickenlooper, those guys were kind of on the moderate side of it just saying that they should expand medicare and allow people that are maybe younger to have it maybe 55 year olds should be able to have it maybe you should make it so that the poor people can get it and so forth now there's already plans for poor people you have medicare i think is one of the ones that's for poor people as well and that's a state-run thing but they want the federal government to be in charge of that thing and that's that guys that is the one thing that i noticed about this entire debate is that these candidates have so much trust in the federal government. They think the federal government could come in there and provide medicine and Medicare for all and provide, you know, for all these different services with the medicine, with dental care, with eye care, with all this different stuff, and that they can just do that and that it's just going to work so well that everything's going to be perfect, you know? Uh, that's this pie-in-the-sky idea that these people have. And it just blows my mind that they believe that i mean this is one of the th one of the notes i wrote is why don't they just say it why should we trust a, or you know why should we trust a dysfunctional dysfunctional government with our health care and the reason why i wrote that down is because a lot of the candidates like tim ryan uh hickenlooper and those they kept on kind of dancing around the idea of the me of the fact that the federal government should not take over the medical system because there'd be too much for it to take on, but then they would not get down and say the fact that the government is dysfunctional in almost everything that it does. So why would they trust the government to do it? They all would not say that, but they were all thinking it sound like to me, those ones that are kind of like the moderates, they seem like they were saying that, but um, it seems like the Bernie Sanders of the world, the Buttigieg's, the, uh, you know, Marianne Williamson even seemed like she was for that as well. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, they just trust government so much, it sounds like, to be able to do all this stuff. And it just blows my mind because it is, it is so dysfunctional. I mean, do you really want politicians to be in charge of whether they fund Medicare or not? Like, they can't even pass a damn budget, a balanced budget, ever. And everything's politicized in this world. So are they going to politicize everything else that goes along with your medicine as well, that'll be a great way to divide the nation. That'll be a great way to ensure that the government always, that's, that's what every election will be on, is whether they're going to fund Medicare or not that, that year. It'll be just terrible, but it's so dysfunctional, and you want them in charge. It just 
But there are some of those guys that seem like they were a little bit more rational on that, and that's a good thing, I think. Uh, the next thing that they talked about was immigration reform. Now, it seemed like all of them, except for a few, were pretty much to, for the making it not a criminal offense to cross the border, right? And they, it seemed like, like Elizabeth Warren, she is just for open borders completely. Um, Bernie Sanders even says that he wants to give free medicine to all illegal immigrants and uh, free college education to all illegal immigrants. As long as they're in America, they can have it. But he even said, like, health care is a right. And all human beings should have it. I mean, he basically said that all human beings should have it. So, um, and I said this during the last debate as well. It sounded like some of these people were for the idea of like providing healthcare to the entire world, essentially on our on our dime in America. Um, libertarians were typically for open borders. A lot of us are. Um, I am in some ways, but there, there's a there's an argument to be made that you shouldn't just have open borders completely because there is the welfare state and there is that idea that people can be incentivized to come here for the free stuff. Most of those people just want to work, though, and that's that's true. Most of those people want to work, and they just want to have a job. Um, there are the few bad apples, I'm sure, that are coming there for the free medicine and the free college education, but I, I, th- that is not the case right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, and libertarians were typically in a way for open borders because it's just an arbitrary line drawn by drawn by governments. But there's different laws within those places. Uh, if there was no welfare state, it would be easy. It would be an easy question because you'd just be able to say, "Yeah, come on over. That's fine. Come work." Because there's no welfare state. Um, one of the things that I noticed though is that there's a new word that's being used. They never refer to them even as immigrants or illegal immigrants anymore. They refer to them as refugees and asylum seekers. That's the way that they were. Re- that's the way that this was referred to, as if every single person that comes to the border is a refugee or an asylum seeker right now. That none of them are like the the people that are, you know kidnapping women and taking them into America so they could sell them for sex. None of them are the drug dealers that are killing people at the border and stuff like that that are trying to get drugs into America. None of them are just um, just bad people. None of them are just good people. None of them are just, hey, I'm just coming here to work. No, they're refugees and they're asylum seekers. That's the way they refer to them. And it's, it's kind of um, a different way to refer to them. And that's something I just noticed. It's just this little subtle thing that they all that all kept they kept talking about. There's no human traffickers coming across the border or anything like that, um, and it's just that's the way that they're going to frame it in order to beat up on Donald Trump for what he or the um, the ICE agents are doing at the border. Now this stuff was all going on during the Obama administration. The same kind of stuff, the detention of these people, just as many as during the Trump administration. I think it actually got ramped up during the Obama administration as well, these detaining detaining these people. Now, there is a a lot of refugees that are coming from like Honduras and Guatemala and so forth. Uh, But, and maybe that's a new thing, but still, that detaining was going on. It's only the fact that you have Trump in office that they're going for that. And to me, that is kind of, um, you know, they're only going after it because it's a Republican office, which is, you know, I don't know. They're being uh, hypocrites. It's, it's, it's a little bit hypocritical, if you ask me. And I don't have a, I don't have a 
dog in the you know I don't have a dog in the fight essentially it, it doesn't matter to me who wins or loses in that world and you guys know that I'm not for Donald Trump and I'm not for any of the Democrats uh, I'm kind of neutral on this but uh, they're being hypocritical because they could have been fighting Barack Obama on this stuff as well back then now the next thing that I did notice the only ones that are there's a few that seem like they were rational though there's a few that seemed like they were rational on the border issue, um, that they weren't just like for free medicine and free health care and free this and free that for these people. And, you know, they weren't for just like open borders, or whatever. But uh, those are the ones that were saying that they need to, since people will respond to Donald Trump when they say, you know, we need to close the border, we need to build a wall and all that stuff, that the Democrats can't just go for an open borders policy at that point and win. That there was those people that were like the rational voices on that stage. They were saying that's not a winning issue for us. And it probably isn't, I don't think. I don't think it's a winning issue for these people. Uh, but yeah, that is the second part of it was the immigration reform part. Um, they talked about the gun epidemic. That was the next thing that they brought up. Uh, one thing I want to say real fast is that as I'm going through this, you'll notice foreign policy isn't talked about right it was actually the last issue to be talked about on the stage the very last thing that they talked about was foreign policy just before these guys did their closing arguments and their one minute speech to you about how great they are or whatever um but it tells you how important that the news media thinks foreign policy is when they make that the last topic so the third topic they talked about was gun the gun epidemic though um, Pete Buttigieg, man, he is great at fluff. But when they asked him a question about how he would deal with this gun, gun epidemic, he did not say anything. He went through all this stuff like, yeah, when I was a mayor, we had to deal with guns. And when I was a kid, that's when Columbine happened when I was a junior in high school. Da da da. He like goes through all this stuff, right? And then uh, he never even mentioned anything about how he would deal with it. It's really funny the way that he did it. It's totally the way a politician would do it. But all of them are politicians, right? Uh, Hickenlooper, he said, man, I took on the NRA in Colorado. Um, I've limited the magazine capacity and all that. I'm in the trenches. I actually did it. And that's why you should vote for me because I can actually take these people on. Uh, I like the way he goes to, goes to market with his, his message because he is one that being a governor he has actually governed so he's not just a senator or a congressperson or whatever that's never really ran anything in the government so he does have a leg to stand on on that uh, i don't really agree with his political views on a, on a lot of the things though he's just he's just a statist and I'm, he's a he's a moderate statist essentially uh he's right kind of in between the democrats and the republicans uh he's trying to probably take on a joe biden type person but anyway so but the one thing I noticed quickly in the debate as well, actually, is that, and I made this note right around part, th right around the gun epidemic conversation, Pete Buttigieg, man, he would just be able to just barge in to a conversation, like right after, let's say this, right after Hickenlooper gets done speaking, he just starts talking, the camera goes to him, and he'll talk for like a minute and a half uninterrupted by the people that the debate moderators like every other person they would start interrupting them or well, hold on we're going on to the next person but he would just start talking and they would just go right to him and maybe they were like eyeing him like okay it's your turn to talk i didn't notice that but he did this multiple times that was pete Buttigieg. he did it multiple times and no one interrupted him whatsoever it was just like maybe 
they were trying to help him out. I don't know. I mean, remember last time when Elizabeth Warren, every time they would say, they'd end the question with, do you have a plan for that? Do you have a plan for that? And she'd be like, oh, yes, well, absolutely, I have a plan for that. And then she'd go on and talk about her plan. Well, they just gave him a bunch of softball chances where he just got to talk, which was really interesting. Um, Beto O'Rourke actually said the most libertarian thing that I could think of during the debate, which blew my mind. It says, he said, essentially, money buys influence in government and also the outcomes in this country. Money buys influence in the outcomes. Now, his solution to the problem of the money buying the influence in the outcomes is not limiting the government so that it does less, so that there's less chance of somebody needing to be able to buy influence in outcomes in this country. His thing was, we're going to make it illegal to have donations given to, can- you know, to f- federal campaigns by corporations and by businesses, right? Um, but I don't think that that's the way to go about it. I think individuals should be able to contribute. I think that anybody should be able to contribute to a campaign if they want to. Uh, that is just part of the process that we're in, right? If you want to run against somebody and you could raise some money, then go ahead and do it in that way. But he has the symptom, of, or he, he knows the symptom of the problem. The cause is, you know, or the thing is, is money does buy influence. Money buzz, does, you know, buy outcomes in this country for these corporations and for different different political groups. But the thing is, is get to the point where you have such limited government that even if you are trying to buy, buy the influence and buy the power and buy the outcomes, what's the government going to do? It's not involved in anything. It's not involved in education. So you're not going to try to influence them towards your educational agenda. It's not involved in, you know military grant military adventures overseas so there's no reason there's a very small military presence so there's no reason to get there and try to you know get them to buy your boots or your weapons your guns and your bombs there's very little reason because there's not a lot of money going into it but when you have the world's largest piggy bank of you know four and a half trillion dollars being spent by washington Every one of those dollars is being fought for by every single corporation and every single interest group in America. They want that four and a half trillion dollars. That's what they're going to try to get. So you're going to spend lots of money to make it to get that influence and also lots of money to get the outcomes that you want. So yeah, that was very. I wish these candidates would just realize that. I wish they would be able to put one and one together and say, "Well, crap, that's why." Because there's four and a half million dollars sitting there being spent by our federal government every single year on different stuff so everyone's gonna have their hands out trying to get it so anyway that was part three they talked about the gun epidemic all of them you know what they talked about guys you don't have to tell you they all want to have you know universal background checks they want to have this they want to have take away your as many rights to your guns as you can as they possibly can the next topic they got into was just like the electability of the different candidates right and who's going to be the electable one and the first thing they did was they talked about uh Sanders is he even electable and so forth and he says listen I beat Trump in all the polls um, that I'm in and Trump's a fod and a phony phony he's a liar I tell the truth and I'll win and uh, Hickenlooper and Tim Ryan and Steve Bullock they kind of said well listen we cannot take a position where we're so far left that we kind of you know one of the people said that we're going to give 
where basically if we go with a socialist route, we're going to basically FedEx the election right over to Trump. I think it was Hickenlooper that said that. And that's true. I mean, if they go too far left, people are going to be scared. They're going to go with the status quo. And the status quo is Donald Trump. Whether you like him or hate him, that's the status quo. You're fighting against the status quo. And if you will like that and, and you try to do too much change, then you're probably going to have a hard time. But then Sanders stood up and said, listen, we need we need a lot of change in America. We need to you know, stand up and declare our values and everything else. And they, he makes a good point, but I don't think that's a winning message. Um, Warren actually said that she's a capitalist. So they actually asked her if she's a capitalist, and she basically said yes. I'm a capitalist. Yeah, she's not a capitalist. She's a socialist. And you could tell. I mean, she's like, I took on the took on the corporations. I took on the special interests and all that stuff. Um, she's not a capitalist at all. Um, and then Delaney, he's just the middle ground guy. That, you know what? Who who did not get a lot of speaking time? Mariana, Marianne Williamson. But whenever she did get to speak, she actually seemed, I don't know, she's an absolute status. She said at one point, it really blew my mind that she was that she said it. But she said that um, she cannot believe that the Democrats are up here saying the things that they're saying, but that they need to take a stand and realize that you need to use government to help other people. You need to use the tools that government has to help other people. And um, it's just the assumption that the government is going to be the one that can get out there and help all the people. That the government does not hurt people when they try to help. That there's that there's not unintended unintended consequences that happen when the government spends money on one thing by taking it from another. It's this the, the this idea that the government is the answer to all the problems. I don't believe that. I just don't agree with that. And she had the you know, the audacity to say that. And you know what? But these people, are they're, they're Democrats. They are in, they, they, they believe that stuff, that the government can somehow solve all the problems of the world. That's just where Democrats and uh, libertarians just part ways. Even a lot of Republicans, they believe that the government is the answer to all these problems as well. Um, Climate crisis was the next thing that they talked about. That was part five of the debate. Uh, a lot of these guys are for carbon taxes. They kind of had a debate back and forth about the Green New Deal. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, a lot of these people are for that. Uh, Elizabeth Warren wants to give a $2 trillion uh, to help domestic companies as well as foreign companies to create new innovations that are going to be green innovations, right? And then invest that money into America, even if you're a foreign company. How much cronyism is that going to lead to? $2 trillion? Holy cow. That is a lot of money to just hand out to people for coming up with a stupid idea that sounds good. And what, do you have a board of people that are going to, they're going to present your idea to, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. We'll put, you know, $10 billion into your idea and all of a sudden it's not run right because you got investment from you know it's malinvestment is what it is it's two trillion dollars that'll be invested in stuff that really does not have any type of economic viability unless the government was the one that was oh you know can't unless the government is the one that's going to buy it i guess or support it because if you have an economically viable idea you can go to investors or angel investors or whatever and present it to them and give them a business plan show them it'll be profitable and if it is going to be profitable then they will invest in it 
So yeah, she wants the $2 trillion Green New Deal, you know, this jobs program or whatever, this cronious program. And then she says it's going to create 1.2 trillion or 2 million jobs. Now they throw this out there, 1.2 million new jobs. Like, yeah, it's go- it's going to be totally 1.2 million new jobs. It's not going to be 1.1 million new jobs or 1.3 million dollars million new jobs. It'll be 1.2 million jobs. That is a pie-in-the-sky idea. You spend $2 trillion, a lot of that's going to go into waste. A lot of that's going to go to crony capitalist projects that might create half that. I, I, I can only imagine. And they're not sustainable jobs because they're jobs that are only being invested in because the government has their little two trillion dollar plan it's just a stupid idea um hickenlooper he he says it's a, he shares all these people's urgency and all that but um and you notice i'm talking about hickenlooper warren delaney bernie a lot right uh th- those are the people that got the most time it seems like to me um but bernie says that we need to rebuild the communities that are left behind that's just a lot of cronyism and well as well so we need to rebuild the communities that have been left behind by the fossil fuel economy and by the car companies going away and so forth, right? Uh, we need to rebuild in those communities. It's just this arrogancy that says that the government can get in there and rebuild these communities. It's not the government that does this stuff. America was founded, or not founded, but America was brought up to the wealth that we have today, not by the government investing in a bunch of stuff, but in private enterprise investing in all this stuff. Now, there was a lot of cronyism that happened during that time, it is true. It is absolutely true, but the government kind of stayed out of the, the the private sector in a lot of ways way back when. And now these people are so arrogant, they just want to create these trillion-dollar plans to for this green economy and all that and things that are not going to be sustainable whatsoever. And a lot of times these things like, you know, when you're making solar panels, you are using so much energy and you're using so much fossil fuels just to create that. And you're destroying the environment by getting the lithium out of the out of the ground and all that stuff. It's just, you know, it's not sustainable whatsoever. And uh, I mean, you have a great fuel. Fossil fuels are a great fuel to create energy. Yes, they may burn that and not be clean, but maybe there's other ways to make that happen to get to wean us off of the fossil fuels. But I don't think that it's the government that's going to make that happen. So, uh, yeah, they're just arrogant, man. They are so arrogant to think that the that the that the politicians are going to be able to come up with the best ideas to fight climate change or whatever. Um, I just at that point, guys, at that point, I was kind of like tuning out. I was already two or three beers in at that point, and I was just like, man, this is really getting hard. Then they start talking about the Flint water crisis. At that point, I'm just waiting for them to talk about foreign policy because I was like, yeah, that's probably the last thing they're going to talk about is foreign policy, and I was just kind of like waiting for that. Um, They talked about the Flint, Michigan water crisis and how would you prevent that as if the federal government has the responsibility over public works projects in the local towns, right? As if like the water in your local town is supposed to be run by the federal government as well. I don't, it would not be managed properly at that point either. Um, so I just don't. But a lot of these people, they, oh yeah, the federal government should be involved in that, blah, blah, blah. You know that they are. Um, you got the racial issue, the racial divide. Um, a lot of these guys are for reparations. A few of them were not. But they. this is the stupidest thing they said. Um, they said 73% of black Americans are in favor of payments of reparations to black Americans. If, if you ask any group of people, 
if the government was going to pay uh, or are you in agreement that the government should pay you x amount of dollars you're going to get at least 73 percent of people that are going to say yes like if you ask any group about that they're going to say yes because um they want the money like that's that's the stupidest thing that's like asking me if i want 50 bucks of course i want 50 bucks you know like that that's the dumbest thing but anyway a lot of these people they were trying to see ways to bridge the racial divide a lot of it came down to donald trump if you got rid of donald trump i mean he's the divider in chief that's what it sounds like i mean he's always he's just a very divisive guy if he gets out of office at some point then you will have a lot less of the division that's going on that all that dividing that he's trying to do um but if it's one of these people man (laughs) I was listening to this the other day. Somebody was saying this. Like, if it's one of these people, God help us if it's one of these far-left socialist people because that's going to be terrible um, if they were able to get their way. I'm not sure if they'll get their way anyway. But uh, it's got to be somebody that's more in the middle. That's a little bit more of a voice of reason, man. Uh, The next part that they talked about was steel tariffs. Uh, There was a little bit of a debate back and forth going on. A lot of these people are really, I mean, it really comes out when they watch the debates. A lot of them are very, like, nationalists. They want to keep the jobs in America. They want to penalize companies that leave America. Uh, They're they're okay with the tariffs. They're okay with all that stuff. Um, Doing everything in America, it sounded like to me. Especially, like, um, like, Bernie Sanders. Like, he is very much about penalizing companies that are trying to leave America and outsource jobs elsewhere uh he is totally against that uh elizabeth warren the same way there was other people that were a little bit more like a voice in reason though and then pete Buttigieg, he gets on the economy and he brings up the the uh minimum wage and that there's a lot of he says a lot of supposed christians are in congress are against or are not voting for this minimum wage or whatever and then he says in the scripture it says whoever oppresses the poor um what's the word i'm trying to figure out okay it says whoever oppresses the poor taunts the maker or taunts their maker and he quotes the scripture as if it is like a sin for them to vote against the minimum wage like that was the stupidest thing i've ever seen in my life he's appealing to he's trying to appeal to the christian crowd i guess but i love it i mean it it drives me crazy when people talk about you know god within the government and all that stuff because you know separation of church and state and all that stuff but it is not the government's job to take care of people and i don't think that god is gonna you know try to use force against others in order to get the way as well i mean i don't know it's just that was the dumbest thing i saw the entire night when pete Buttigieg just tries to quote scripture on that stuff and then they got into foreign policy most of them seemed like they were pretty good on foreign policy this a lot of them wanted to get away from the wars and all that um i think it was the governor of of uh who was it uh steve bullock he was kind of not for getting out of afghanistan which kind of blew my mind um he was for keeping people there. Oh, Hickenlooper was who it was. He wants to keep troops in Afghanistan because, you know, he says that there's a humanitarian thing going on and you'd have a humanitarian crisis where women are going to be enslaved and all this stuff if we left. But that means that he wants people there forever, essentially, because it's always going to be like that. It'll always be like that if that's the case. But most of them were pretty good on the foreign policy issue. Um, 
But like Horton's Law says, they will do everything that you don't like, and they will not do anything that you like, right? So I'll just assume that a lot of them, like Pete Buttigieg said that he will withdraw troops from Afghanistan within one year. No, he won't. That's Horton's Law. Um, And then Bernie Sanders was saying the same thing. Uh, Beto O'Rourke said that he would withdraw troops within his first term, so he wasn't willing to say that. Um, but anyway, that was the debate, guys. These are. Let me go over all of the um, promises that I heard, though, real fast. No copays for insurance, or Medicare for all. No copays, no deductibles. Universal health care is a basic human right. Health care for anyone in the world assault weapons ban, limited magazine capacities, universal background checks, public funding only for foreign campaigns, or public funding only for federal campaigns, right? That was one of the ones that I had an issue with. If you had public funding for only for federal campaigns, then how would you basically raise money for your campaign? You'd have no way to, you'd have basically have to get approval from the federal government in order to run for office on a federal level and they would definitely have the ability to put up roadblocks to anybody that would like to run at that point way more roadblocks than there are now so i'm not for that i think that there should be no public funding in that sense just because uh, that's basically confiscation for one to give to another and a politician at that which those guys are scumbags in the first place you know how i feel about them but public funding just makes it so that the government can say you know what you know what you're not going to be able to run or oh you're not a republican okay or you're not a democrat okay you're a libertarian huh well you know we don't fund libertarians because they're not on the ballots in all the states or what you know like it would allow so much corruption within that world so i'm not for that uh free college tuition cancel all student debt they want to have a carbon tax they want to have a climate court they want to have a uh, one of them says that they want a chief manufacturing officer in the federal government. So it's going to be some kind of czar of manufacturing that's in the federal government to decide what kind of new manufacturing comes into America and what kind of stays and all this stuff. That, that's just, that's cronyism at its best. Uh, reparations, one of them wants two to 500 million or two to 500 billion dollars for reparations. So that was all the promises that I heard. I heard quite a few more as well. But hey guys, I figured out how to survive through that thing and that was by drinking lots of beer. And uh, that was good. That makes it a little bit easier. Tomorrow night, I will bring you another show as well, just to make sure that we cover both debates. And you'll be hearing from like uh, Kamala Harris and uh, Joe Biden tomorrow and a few others as well. So that'll be the show for, I'll be watching that tonight. And I will be uh, releasing that first thing in the morning tomorrow as well. So thank you so much for joining me, though. If you'd like to follow me, go ahead and do that. Uh, You can do that through IonTheEmpire.com. And check me out on Facebook as well. And then go ahead and subscribe to the show so you can come back tomorrow and listen to the next show, right? And uh, then if you continue to do that, you'll have clear vision for 2020. Hey guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you. But if you are a salesperson, or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's going to be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales, or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also 
different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job. So like I said, if you know somebody that's in sales, or if you yourself are in sales, go ahead and check out this podcast that's on all of your podcatchers, anything that you would listen to, and that is called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton.